The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Brands or marketers, leaders, entrepreneurs, we don't make meaning. We signal meaning. And society decides what it actually means, right? So we make signals, people make meaning. Welcome back to the Next Big Idea Daily. All week, I've been having a conversation with Marcus Collins, author of For the Culture. If you missed any of the previous episodes, you can find them in your podcast feed or on our Next Big Idea app. What's fascinating about Marcus's book is that it's both very practical and profoundly philosophical. Filled with real-world case studies of brilliant marketing campaigns, it also goes deep into psychology, anthropology, semiotics. All those disciplines come to bear on the simple question of why we buy the things we do. Because as Marcus reminds us, none of our decisions happen in a vacuum. The world is culturally constructed. That is to say, things aren't the way they are, they are the way that we are. Reality is subjective and meaning is not fixed. Take for instance the color red. What does it mean? It's an odd question, I know, but humor me. One may say red is a color. Someone may say that red is a wavelength that activates one's eyes to see a color. But red doesn't inherently have meaning. However, if you're driving down the street and you approach a red light at an intersection, red means stop. Why? Because we have collectively agreed that red means stop, just as green means go and yellow means slow down. Unless you're like me, yellow means hurry up. But red also means passion. It also means danger. It also means hot and angry and sexy. Red has many different meanings, but none of them are inherent to the word. These are the meanings that we as a society have constructed to be signified by the color red. Ferdinand de Saussure, one of the founding fathers of semiotics, once said that everything around us is inherently meaningless. And it's true. Look around you. Everything your eye can see at this very moment has no intrinsic meaning. Instead, we collectively negotiated and decided its meaning. That's why for some, a cow is leather, for some it's dinner, and for others, it's a deity. Which one is true? Well, all of them. Because meaning is not fixed. It is culturally mediated based on how we see the world and how we translate the world through our cultural frames. Now, there's a big takeaway here for marketers and managers and leaders alike, that we as brands, as companies, as organizations, as institutions, we don't make meaning. We signal meaning. And people collectively decide what it means. See, take marketing, for instance. We own the brand mark, we own the products, and we own its expression. But what it means, how it's translated in the minds of people, and whether it's adopted and accepted, is all based on the people. The anthropologist Clifford Gertz says, meaning is the system through which we live, and by its very nature, the collective property of the group. Just like creative expression, the author, the artist, has no sovereignty over his or her own work, images, or sound. It belongs to the reader who interprets it. It belongs to the people. The same thing goes with brand communications. Meanings interpret in the minds of the people. Therefore, understanding how people make meaning will increase the likelihood of understanding who they are and how they navigate the world around them so that we might be able to influence them to take action to move. I guess I'm wondering how you think we can use this 
idea practically? I mean, given that nothing means anything inherently, <laughs> um, that, that's, that's a great philosophical observation. But what do I do with that? as a marketer or as a consumer or just as a human being, you know? Okay, so I think that this is where the book starts to elevate beyond practice to be mm -hmm. more so about society, right? So what's the point? Well, brands are vessels of meaning mm -hmm. to which we, society, negotiate what it means. Like that means brands or marketers, leaders, entrepreneurs, we don't make meaning, we signal meaning. And society decides what it actually means, mm -hmm. right? So we make signals, people make meaning. The idea then is that what we signal has to be congruent with how people make meaning, the beliefs, behaviors, the artifacts, the language that make up, that constitute their cultural subscription. So we have to get much closer to people than we have been mm -hmm. so that we understand how they make meaning. The other part to that is societal takeaway. Mm -hmm. And it's that, if the world is inherently meaningless, then truth is not objective. Okay. That is the world around us is not fixed. It is culturally constructed, right? Right. So therefore, how we see the world is not the way the world is. Right. We're just abiding by our own meaning-making system. And if we could see the world through that perspective, we could go, oh, okay, it's just the way I see it. Then I could say, oh, Michael abides by a different meaning-making system altogether. And right. therefore I go, though I don't see it the way he does, I understand. Hmm. And if we get there, we'll find ourselves being far more civil. As hmm. opposed to saying they crazy, they stupid, they're wrong. We can go, they just see the world differently. They abide hmm. by different stories of hmm. how the world manifests. And so long as their meaning making system does not mean my oppression, right? Their truth of the world doesn't mean my oppression then it's all good. We can cohabitate without, without lots of conflict. You think about some of the more successful social movements in recent history, including the fight for gay marriage. And I don't know if anyone's done a real marketing analysis of how that worked, but it was incredible. And, and this is sort of one thing that can make you optimistic that the culture is not fixed. You know, if you had asked me when I was growing up, well, gay and lesbian people be allowed to marry in this country? I would say, no, are you kidding? That's that's, right. that's not going to happen. That This is a very religious, traditional, conservative country. And in seemingly a very short amount of time that that changed. And I think there was some rebranding, you know, instead of, instead of homosexuality being branded as a sin, you know, people were talking about love, you know, and, uh, you know, we should all love who we want. Um, marriage, you know, this very traditional value, this traditional institution was kind of brought together with this idea of love and you should be able to love who you want and therefore marry who you want. And somehow the the branding shifted <laughs> over yeah. time and a huge cultural transformation happened, it seemed to yeah. me. I mean, even if you say that the branding has shifted. So mm -hmm. what is, so what you're saying is saying the meaning has shifted. Right. And why has the meaning shifted? It's because of the discourse that we entered in. Mm -hmm. It's the conversations that we had, that we collectively made meaning, right? You know, if, if my, my parents grew up in, you know, my mother was born in 38, both my parents were born in 1938. Mm -hmm. The idea that they'd be a black president in her, their lifetime never even fathom right. that possibility, right? Like, but things change, right. right? And why do they change? Because we change. Mm -hmm. The beliefs and ideologies that we hold change and therefore we show up in the world differently. 
Yeah, meaning changes, the conversation changes, and and the whole social structure is maybe much more flexible than we think. That's right. It's going to be. Yeah, and it makes me curious to see what's next. You know, what, what other things can that seem impossible right now could change in our culture. Yeah. The the the, the converse to that though is that it can go the other way as well. Sure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Tomorrow, Marcus will be back to explain how we've come to mistake information for intimacy and how we need to flip that if we hope to convince people of anything. If you'd rather not wait, of course, you can listen to all the key insights from For the Culture in our Next Big Idea app. Unlike other book summary apps, which tend to operate without the permission of the authors, all of our insights are written and read by the authors themselves. They'll provide you with the big ideas from their books in audio and text formats that you can enjoy in under 15 minutes. So look for the next big idea app in your app store. I'm Michael Kovnett, and I'll see you tomorrow.